Good morning, New Spring Church. Welcome to our 11.15 a.m. gathering. Uh, to all of our 14 campuses, welcome. Uh, to everyone watching online from a hotel room in New Orleans right now, welcome. Uh, to everyone driving down 85 right now on the way to New Orleans, drive safely, but welcome. Uh, to everyone who doesn't usually come along to church, but this week you were so nervous about this game, you were stressing about this game, you just needed a place to be on a Sunday morning to get together and pray with some brothers and sisters. Hey, uh, we aren't worried about how you got here. We're just super pumped that you are here. And we wanna say to you, if you don't usually come along to New Spring Church, welcome, welcome, welcome. We just are so pumped that you took the time to hang out with us today. And if you are wanting to pray, you've come to the right place because we here at New Spring Church, we value prayer, we prioritize prayer. In fact, we begin every year by praying. Uh, we engage in 21 days of prayer. You know, all week long, Monday through to Friday, people have gathered on campuses across our New Spring family uh, to pray at 6 a.m. through to 7 a.m. and it has been a powerful time. Uh, we have started the year uh, in a series all about prayer, about talking to God, about understanding the power of prayer, and that series will continue on for the rest of January because we here at New Spring Church, we love to pray. Can someone say a good amen to that? Like the uh, wonderful philosopher and poet from the 1990s, MC Hammer once said, you've got to pray just to make it today. I'm so sad that so many people don't know that reference about MC Hammer, Google him later, watch some of his clips on YouTube, it's gonna bless your soul and your dance moves. You've got to pray. We love talking about praying, we love praying because prayer is central to our existence. Prayer is so important for a number of reasons. Number one, prayer connects us with God. Prayer connects us with God. Communication is the basis of every relationship. Prayer is communication with God. A lot of people have different New Year's resolutions at the beginning of every single year. It's a good thing to have New Year's resolutions, to recalibrate, to revision um, you know, what you want to achieve out of any given year. Most people's New Year's resolutions center around four things, eating less, exercising more, uh, spending less, and saving more. And most people, you know, by day 12 of the year have broken all of those resolutions. Come on, how many people have this week found themselves sitting alone on a couch, eating a bag of potato chips? Come on, not exercising, <laughs> buying stuff off Amazon <laughs> by credit, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we, we, we make New Year's resolutions, we break them all the time. At the end of the day, none of these New Year's resolutions are life or death. I wanna let you know, the resolution regarding getting closer to Jesus every single year is a matter of spiritual life and death. Uh, if you have a res resolution to get closer to God in 2020, if you wanna know Him better, if you wanna see more of His power unfold in your life, if you wanna see more of your journey transformed by His love, pray because prayer is your primary connection with the God of this universe. It's important to talk about prayer because it connects us with God, it also aligns us in the kingdom of God. It brings alignment between us and the kingdom of God. 
The kingdom of God isn't just a faraway land, you know, like a heavenly place with, with clouds and chubby baby angels flying around playing harps. That's not heaven, that's hell. Could you imagine for all of eternity sitting on a cloud with a crazy chubby baby angel with a grown-up man face flying up to you and playing a harp in your face? It's terrifying. No, the kingdom is, yes, a one-day place, but also a two-day place. And prayer is primarily meant to awaken us to that fact, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Prayer isn't just reading a shopping list to God every single day, a list of things that you want to see happen, a a list of things that you wanna see done. No, prayer isn't primarily about us trying to get God to change our story in a favorable way, Prayer is primarily us saying, God, I want to be a part of your story and bring glory to your name. Prayer aligns us in the kingdom. Come on, and alignment is important. Has anyone ever thrown their back out before? I threw my back out about a year ago at the gym. Again, um, just in there trying to show off a little bit. You know, in front of a bunch of young guys, and I just threw my back out just a bit. I'm telling you now, I have never felt such excruciating pain. Now, right now, I'm not super strong, but I can lift a little bit of weight, you know what I'm saying? I'm telling you, after I threw my back out, I couldn't even lift an itty-bitty weight. So I had to go off and get some physical therapy for my brother, Jason Embler. He's a giant of a man with a big heart and magic hands. And he basically popped everything back into place and my back came back into alignment. And the next time I rolled into that gym, I was lifting all kinds of weight. The reason some of you guys got taken out by the lightest weight in 2019 isn't because God isn't strong, it's because you've been out of alignment. There have been problems that have been overwhelming Issues that in the past you just powered through that took you out in 2019 and it's because of a lack of alignment. Prayer aligns you again in the kingdom of God. And I just wanna declare over each and every single one of your lives, 2020 is gonna be different. Because of kingdom alignment, heavy things are gonna feel light. Overwhelming things are gonna feel underwhelming. Things that took you out in the journey in 2019, you're gonna power through and God is actually gonna use that thing to mature you, to grow you, to perfect your faith. I'm believing that as we come into greater alignment with God, we're gonna see greater power for our days. Prayer not only connects us with God, it also aligns us in the kingdom and ultimately it is powerful. Prayer is the most powerful thing the created can do because it engages the heart, the love, and the might of the creator. I've got a public service announcement. There are some things in your life right now that just won't change until you pray. I'll say that again. Right now, there are some things in your life that you'll wanna change, that you wish would change, that you've tried to change, that will not change until you pray. There is some provision for your life that you're not going to experience from the provider until you pray. There's some healing for your life, healing for your mind, healing for your soul, healing for your body that will not be experienced until you pray. There are some addictions that just won't break until you 
pray. There are some marriages that won't be healed until you pray. There are some marriages that won't take place until you pray. There's some freedom that you won't taste until you pray. This is an amazing story in the book of Mark chapter 9 where the disciples are trying to pray for this, this, this possessed young man and, and for some reason, um, you know, th- their ministry wasn't, wasn't helping and so they were in there and laying hands and commanding the demon and, and they were going back and forth and, and, and nothing was happening and then Jesus steps onto the scene. He commands the demon to leave and for peace to rise and all of a sudden, healing comes into that room. The disciples get together and go, whoa, what happened there? That was crazy, Jesus. Like, we don't know why we were lacking power today. And then Jesus makes this comment, there are some things that will only change through prayer. I believe it's the most powerful thing you can do. I wanna thank my New Spring family. All week long, I've been receiving emails uh, from different parts of our family from across the state of South Carolina um, asking me if my family were okay in Australia. Now, for those who don't come along to church very often, that's the reason I sound this way. I was born and raised in Melbourne, Australia. My mother and father are Malaysian Chinese. That's the reason my face is this way. Uh, but, but I'm from Australia and people have been asking all week long, hey, how is your family? How are they doing? And, and my old nation has been ravaged. There are parts of Australia where my family used to vacation that just aren't there anymore. And uh, people have been telling me that they've been praying for us. My brother is actually a firefighter, so you could imagine he is on high alert and working incredibly hard at the moment. And um, actually, interestingly, a couple of weeks ago, um, the Prime Minister of Australia um, was doing a press conference, and he was asked about his personal response to the fires in Australia. And he boldly said, the first thing I'm gonna do is pray. Uh, Scott Morrison, our prime minister, is a God-fearing, Jesus-loving, spirit-filled man. Uh, Probably as passionate a Christian prime minister as Australia has ever had. And he meant it, that my first response will be to turn to God because we need God's help. Well, the media jumped on him because the media, like sometimes the media in America, see that phrase, thoughts and prayers, as basically a politician saying, I'm not gonna do anything about it. And so they attacked him viciously. They've been attacking him viciously for the last couple of weeks. But little do the Australian media know what I know, and what many people here in this room know, that prayer isn't weak, come on, prayer isn't insipid, Prayer isn't um, basically a a, a blank shot that you fire, no. Come on, prayer is literally the most powerful thing the created can do because it engages, come on, the force and the power of the creator. Come on, if you're gonna clap, you may as well clap properly. (laughs) Prayer is powerful. In fact, James chapter five tells us that, yo, Elijah was just a normal man, just like you and me. But he prayed, and because he prayed, rains were stopped. And we started praying again, the rain started again. And as a church in Australia, um, we have, they have been praying fervently over the last couple of weeks. And guess what? Smack bang in the middle of the hottest summer that we've seen on record, rain is falling on Australia right now. Come on, I believe in the power of prayer. That's the reason Jesus taught on prayer. Like Brad mentioned last week, Jesus didn't teach his disciples how to preach. 
Jesus didn't teach his disciples how to plant a church. Jesus didn't teach his disciples how to prepare for a Sunday service, but he did take time to teach his disciples how to pray. Because Jesus knew this connects us with Abba Father, it connects us with the power of heaven, it aligns us in the kingdom. Hey, MC Hammer said it, you've got to pray just to make it today. And so that's what we're gonna look at this passage again in Matthew chapter six. If you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Matthew chapter six. If you have downloaded the New Spring app, um, you will find all of the notes and all of the scriptures already in there for you. Um, it might be a great idea throughout the course of this week. Don't all do it at the same time, um, but uh, to download the New Spring app, it's very, very helpful. This is Jesus talking about praying. This is how you pray. It says here, this is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I love how last week, Pastor Brad talked about how all of our prayer has to begin with this recognition that we are talking to our Father in heaven. What a mind-blowing concept. That he's not a distant deity or a faraway God or a disconnected creator, but he is actually our father, our Abba father, our daddy God, someone close, acquainted, intimately interested in us. It changes everything about the way that we pray. We come to him with confidence. We come to him boldly, knowing that he's a good, good father, and we are his sons and daughters, and he will move on our behalf. Next week, we're going to look at thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Pastor Caleb is going to unpackage the idea of praying in such a way that we bring kingdom to earth. But this week, we're going to look at this line, hallowed be thy name, or hallowed be your name. Okay, have you noticed how I use the word thy? Because I know for many people here in this room, you grew up saying the Lord's Prayer. Now, I went to a private school, and we had to say the Lord's Prayer every single morning. Some people might have played team sport where you always would take a knee before a game and pray the Lord's Prayer. You might have done it in your household. And I know for me, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Like, that's, that's how, and and, and it's, on one hand, it's so cool that this prayer is so out there in the world. On the other hand, it's really sad that this prayer has lost its power because it's been repeated so much. And this line, hallowed be your name or hallowed be thy name, I think fits into that category because I know for a lot of people, they've never really thought through what it means to hallow God's name. Why did Jesus, when he taught us how to pray, did he include this idea of hallowing God's name? What does that even mean? I don't know about you, but I haven't used the word hallowed, you know, um, very recently in a conversation. What does that mean? Well, hallowed simply means special, even nearly sacred. Hallowed comes from the same family of words that the word holy comes from. Unique, incredible, 
breathtaking. Set apart. So basically, Jesus is saying here, when you pray, first and foremost, recognize who you're talking to. It's not a faraway God, it's your Father in heaven. And there's something special about his name. There's something powerful about his name. There's something incredible about his name that if you understood, it would change the way you come before him every single day. So here's the question. What is so special about the name of God? What is so unique about the name of God? What is so powerful or incredible about the name of God that changes the way that I pray, that changes the way that I come before God when I bow a knee and start focusing in on his kingdom? What is so special about his name? Well, point number one, you can write this down. His name reveals that his personal, that he's personal. God's name reveals that he is personal. He's a relational God. He wants to know you and he wants you to know him. He's not a disconnected, impersonal, hey, just pray to some power out in the sky or some kind of force that's in this universe. No, God steps into creation, interacts with humanity and says, hey, let me introduce myself. Here is my name. That's mind-blowing. Early in the Old Testament, the writers would refer to God as Elohim or Adonai, or in other words, God that is great, God who is high, the Lord of the heavenly hosts, relatively impersonal names. But God would introduce himself personally to humanity, to Moses and to us in the book of Exodus chapter 3. One day, Moses is hanging out. He comes across a burning bush. It's on fire, but it's not being consumed by that fire. He thought that it was interesting, so he stopped and he talked to it. Side note, if you're on your way to work tomorrow and you see a burning bush on the side of the road and it's like burning up, but it's not burning up, you know what I'm saying? Pull over and start talking to it. It might be God. And so here he is interacting with God in this burning bush. And as a part of this conversation, uh, Moses says to him something that we might all ask him. Hey, you know what? We've been talking for a bit now. I would like to know what your name is. Because I don't want this to be a here today, gone tomorrow thing. I don't want this to be just like a fleeting memory that I experienced once in my life. I like to start something that will flow the rest of my days. Hey God, what is your name? He clears his heavenly throat and he speaks. My name is Yahweh or Jehovah, which means I am who I am. Now that's a strange name. It would have been easier if God said, my name is Fred. But he says, I am who I am. I am. Now, scholars have debated, what does this name actually mean? And most scholars agree that this name was an open-ended name. It's a name that was, in many ways, an invitation for you to get to know him more and more. And you'll see, through the rest of the Old Testament, God consistently and continually revealing more of himself and more of his name because guess what? Love reveals. Love doesn't hide. Love isn't secretive. (laughs) Love isn't cagey. No, love is shazam. Love reveals. And that's who God is. I always say this because it transformed my life when I discovered that that God doesn't just love me in response to my loveliness, God loves me because it's who he is. Every move he makes, 
every word he speaks, everything he does is informed by his identity of love. And this love, I'm telling you, reveals. And here he is revealing his name. I am who I am. I'm not a back in the day God. Like when you were younger and you felt him really close, but now it's been a couple of years and you don't feel him anymore. No, I am a here, right now, present God. Come on. I'm not a one day God in the future. You know what, if I clean my life up or get my act together or, or kind of you know, straighten out some sin stuff in my life, no, no, right here, right now, I wanna reveal myself to you, God. The introduction of a name is a declaration that somebody wants relationship with you. That's the reason I tell people all the time my name. Uh, I'm primarily here at the Anderson campus. I was at our Powdersville campus last weekend. But everyone I meet, I shake their hand and I say, hey, my name is Dan. Um, sometimes people say, okay, yeah, I know that your name is Dan, but no, I want to know you and, and I want you to get to know me. So I will always introduce myself as Dan. Every now and then I meet a rude person. And you go up there, hey, my name's Dan, and then they won't say anything to me. You know what I'm saying? I go, I've even asked people, what's your name? And, they, and people have told me, I don't want to tell you that. That's an indication. Yo, I'm not really interested in engaging with you. God's not like that. He says to you, I know you by name, and I want you to know me by mine. When you pray, you're praying to a father who is personal and intricately connected to your journey and wants to have a relationship with you. Point number two, God's name also reveals his nature, who he is, what he does. Names aren't just in the Bible there for the purpose of identification or distinguishing Names in the Bible were always there to reveal identity and to declare what that person or what God does. Okay, names are different. Um, nowadays, we don't think through as much about the names we give our children. Um, uh, I, I know that a couple of generations ago, um, our names were very, very linked to basically who we were and what we did. Our names equated to nature. Uh, Clayton King, I guarantee you, if you dig back in his family tree, somewhere along the line, there was a king. Um, Brad Cooper, if you dig back down that family tree, uh, or look down that line, uh, you'll find people who, would make, who made chicken coops for a living. Um, <laughs> in the first shep uh, uh, service, there was my friend Keith Shepherd sitting in the front row. At some point, in his family, there was a shepherd, okay? Uh, Will Brown came from someone who was tanned. Um, I kinda, <laughs> my name meant something. Um, my, my, my English name is Dan Lian, but before my English name, I had a Chinese name, and it's actually Lian Yingling, like, like the beer, yeah. And um, so my name means uh, the, the maker of fine German beer from North Carolina. That's basically <laughs> what, no, actually, Yingling, way before anyone in my family was a Christian, our family name literally means heavenly refreshment, like showers from heaven, like godly Gatorade, okay? That's, that's what my, <laughs> names basically tipped your hand to who you were and what you did. 
And that's the reason it's amazing. When you reflect on the name of God and how it unfolds all the way through the Old Testament, you'll see the story of a God always trying to reveal himself as not only the God of this universe, but the God of your life. Not only the one who flung stars into space, but the one who still has the hands that wants to shape your world. And that's what happens all the way through the Old Testament. Yahweh or Jehovah is consistently revealing more of his name, his nature, and what he does to us, the created. I've got a list here. And if you have your Newspring app, you can open that up. They're all basically, um, you know, they'll basically fill in the blanks for you. It's really, really cool. Again, downloaded at some point uh, this week. But here are the names of God as revealed all the way through the Old Testament. Because God's trying to show you not only who He is, but what He does. In Genesis chapter 22, verse eight, His name is Jehovah Jireh, the God who is my provider. Every breath you take, the roof over your head, the food in your belly, the gas in your tank, your partner by your side, the job that you go to, the children that are running around, that nice seat that you're sitting in right now, guess what? It is the Lord who provides. Come on, He wants you to know in 2020 and beyond that you can trust in Him as your provider. Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who is my healer. I am the Lord who heals you. It's just what I do. There is no sickness so big, no disease so dark, no ailment so strong. There is no cancer so deep that God in His way in the end cannot heal. And I know that's hard for some people to believe. I know there are some people who have experienced loss. I know there are some people who are experiencing pain right now. But I'm gonna trust in what God has got to say about His name and His nature and believe that no matter how things look from the outside, deep in the spirit realm, there is healing that is happening. Come on, in the name of Jesus. It's His name. He's the Lord who heals. Jehovah Nisai which means the Lord is my banner. Or in other words, He wants to be your captain. Would you join His team? In the ancient Near East, when this was written, before someone would go out to war, they would gather behind a banner to be reminded who they were fighting for. For the Israelites, they were to be reminded who was fighting for them. We gather behind many banners and we put our trust in these banners, political banners, college football colored banners. We put our hope in many banners, but God is saying, would you let me be your hope? Would you let me, come on, be your help? Would you let me be your captain? Come on, would you play on my team? He is Jehovah Nisai, the Lord who is my banner. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord who is my peace. In the storm and in the trial, in the middle of the test, in the middle of the furnace, He is the one who brings shalom, peace. Peace, shalom, 
isn't the absence of stress or drama. Peace, shalom, is a confidence in the middle of that drama. And that's what he wants to be for you. It's who he is and what he does. Jehovah said, can you? Which literally means the Lord is my righteousness. There are some people here in this room who wish they made different decisions growing up who've come to a point where they feel like they're a million miles from God and they gotta clean so much stuff up before they can come into a relationship with God. No, here God reminds us that He will be our righteousness. It's not about our effort, but His effort. It's not our energy, it was His energy. It was not our cross that we need to bear, it was the cross that He put on His Son that brings us into relationship with Him. It's not our sacrifice, it's His sacrifice. It's not our bloodshed, come on, it's His bloodshed. He is our righteousness. Righteousness. He's the one who does the work to bring us into relationship with Him. This is who He is. He's, over, he's also Jehovah M. Kadesh. Jehovah M. Kadesh means the Lord who is my sanctifier. Come on, who's got a weakness in their life? I do. He helps you with it. Come on, who's ever wrestled with an addiction at some point in their life? Come on, He can help you with it. Who's got something in their life they wish they could just basically get rid of because they know it causes incredible pain for the people around them? Come on, God can do it because He's the one who sanctifies. He's also Jehovah Shema. He's the God who is present because there are times when every nice thought and every nice verse and every nice encouragement, every nice kind of fist bump or hug, I'm with your brother, or that won't, there's a time where that just doesn't do it. And you just need to know that somehow in the muck and in the mire, God is there. That's his name. And he's ultimately Jehovah Rohi, which means the Lord who is my shepherd. The one who leads you and guides you, walks beside you, is right there celebrating with you when you're on top of a mountaintop, seeing the hills are alive with the sound of music, the same God who's ever present when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death and causing you not to fear any evil. He is the one who is going after your lost prodigal son and your lost prodigal daughter because that's what good shepherds do. Come on, he is Jehovah Rohi. He is the Lord who is our shepherd. He reveals his name because he wants you to know what he does. Thirdly and lastly, quickly write this one down. God's name also reveals his authority. God's name reveals His authority in every situation that you find yourself in right now. God's name reveals His authority over every circumstance that you're gonna find yourself in in 2020. Because God's name carries ultimate weight in every environment. My name carries no weight at the White House. In 2020, one of my goals is to take my whole family down to Washington, D.C to have a look around. It's interesting, it's fascinating to me. We wanna live in America for a very, very long time. I thought you better learn as much about America as well as that. I heard there's a lot of free museums and libraries and public places you can go to to go in. It's a cheap holiday, you know what I'm saying? I like myself a cheap holiday. Cheap vacation. So I wanna go along to, to Washington, D.C. At some point, I'm gonna go along to the White House. Let's check it out. Let's go check it out. And uh, I'd love to just go up there and uh, I'm gonna try to get in. I'm gonna let them know, uh, can you just check uh, if... Uh, uh, Dan Leanne is there. No? Uh, try Daniel Leanne. Nope. Try Dang Liang. Nope. Yingling. <laughs> and so 
My name carries no weight at the White House. It won't get me anywhere. My name carries a little bit of weight here at New Spring Church. It does. Not a lot, but a little bit. I can go to one of our campus safety guys and say, hey, can you unlock this door for me? And they'll unlock a door for me. I have the power to go into any volunteer's room right now and eat all of your Pop-Tarts. Because my name carries a little bit of weight around New Spring Church. God's name carries ultimate weight, come on, in every environment that you're gonna find yourself, amen, in 2020. Whatever stress, His name is bigger. Whatever problem, come on, His name is bigger. His name carries, come on, ultimate authority in every environment. And so the way we're gonna finish our service this week is gonna be special and it's gonna be powerful because what we're gonna do is we're gonna spend a little bit of time reflecting on what our biggest prayer is right now. Just think about that, just for a minute. What is your biggest, wildest, most pressing prayer right now? And all I'm gonna do is I'm gonna invite you to reflect on that list that we just went through and I'm going to challenge you to bring his name up in that situation. Because I promise you, it changes everything. This week I was praying, um, um, you know, in our 21 days of prayer at six in the morning. And on the first day, I, I got to pray with a brother at the back of the room. And I said, hey, can I, how can I pray for you today? I just feel stirred in my heart to pray for you. And he asked me, Dan, can you pray for me for a job? I, I have a job right now, but I just want a job that I can bring more glory to God in. I wanna be able to take care of my family better with this job. And, 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 and do you reckon God can? I said, you know what? He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. He has provided for my life. He's provided for your life. He's done it in areas that you have asked him specifically. He's, he's provided in ways that you haven't even asked yet. You know, he is a provider. So, I'm gonna pr- so we started praying, Jehovah Jireh, do what only you can do, provide for his life. On the Tuesday, I prayed uh, with a lady and, and I said, hey, what's your greatest prayer? And she goes, you know, I just want my son to come back to church. He's been away for so long. He doesn't really like it anymore. I want him to come back. And you say, you know what? He is Jehovah Rohi. He is the Lord who is my shepherd. And guess what? This shepherd goes out into the wilderness, searches high, searches low, finds our sons, finds our daughters, picks them up, puts them on his shoulders, carries them all the way home, only to find that the light has been left on the whole time. Come on, he is Jehovah. Jehovah Rohi, he's the Lord, he's our shepherd. Let's pray into that. Two days ago, I'm at the, the YMCA, I'm working out. I talked to somebody who comes along to our church, knows we're doing prayer, but is nervous about coming along to the prayer meeting in the morning because he's afraid of praying around people and never really done that before. And he started sharing how he has some anxiety. And I said, you know what, first and foremost, I might be breaking all the rules here, but come along. If I have to open up another room for you just to sit there by yourself to pray, I'm gonna work out how to, I'll get a campus safety person to do it. Like, come along, but second of all, I'm gonna believe that God is Jehovah Shalom, the God who is peace, and that anxiety has to bow. That panic attack must not occur because you have peace in your life. It's who He is and what He does. Can someone say a good amen to that? So what we're gonna do in two minutes time, on every single campus, there will be a pastor to shepherd this moment as we're gonna bring our biggest prayers to God and bring up the names of our Father in heaven over that prayer. Is that cool? And I'm believing right now we're sowing a seed 
that's going to make a difference. Amen? In the days to come. So I'm going to pray a bold faith prayer. And I want you to, as I'm praying that, to be thinking about your biggest prayer in your life right now. For me, it's about me dealing with stress better in 2020. It's got to do with me being a better husband and a better dad to Caitlin and Josiah. There are a few things that I'm believing for regarding people who I know who are far away from Jesus, who I wanna see meet Jesus. Would you think about your biggest prayer? Because we're gonna bring up his authoritative name into that prayer, amen? Lord Jesus, we love you, Father God. We exalt you, Holy Spirit. We invite you, have your way. Do what only you can do. Father God, we thank you that you have a name. We thank you that you reveal your nature. We thank you that your nature points to what you do. So do it for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, in all of God's children said, amen.